0: My name is Susie Spear, and I'm an alcoholic. Thank think the committee of two, I believe it is, maybe three, for asking me to do this a year ago. They get you early, and then you say, yeah, that'll be great, and it gets closer to time, and you're like, oh, yeah, I did say I would do that a year ago. Um, so thank you all. Happy to be here. Uh, my sobriety date is October 24th, 2012. I am a member of... Um, there's a solution group Alcoholics Anonymous in Cary, North Carolina. We just recently moved about a year ago. Um, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I've done all various kinds of service and that has been great. Um, This is fine too. This is part of service. Um, What I'm going to talk about today hopefully is carry this message we can help others. So I'm going to qualify a little bit first. Thank you to, I don't know if Dwight left, but thank you to Amanda and Dwight for really teeing this up for me. Um, I really enjoyed both of them and what they had to say. You know, I feel like I have the easier topic here because carrying this message, We Can Help Others is kind of what AA is about, you know. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I did not start drinking alcoholically until I was 20 years old. I had a lot of fear about alcohol and drugs, you know, growing up, there were all of those things. There was abuse in the house, um, you know, I just, we were poor, white trash, you know, like there were just so many things happening and, um, you know, when I arrived to Alcoholics Anonymous, I really was trying to still be different. And. I didn't, I didn't know that people were trying to carry the message to me. I didn't know anyone had helped me in my life ever. When I arrived here, everything was someone else's fault. My alcoholism was my parents' fault. My mom, you know, I grew up poor. That was my parents' fault. Probably if that didn't happen, I would have been okay. Um, it, there were so many things. Like, I put the blame on everyone else, and there were certainly things that happened to me along the way in my life that um, I didn't have a mistake in. Uh, But carrying that along with me, you know, I felt like I was allowed to do everything that I was doing, drinking and otherwise. Um, So I had a good example of what it looked like to have a relationship with God from both sets of my grandparents growing up. You know, I felt like I really wanted that at some point, and when my life didn't immediately change or change in six months from doing what I thought needed to be done uh, in religious services, you know, I kind of turned my back on that. And, um, you know, I, I, I always believed in a power greater than myself and God and all of that kind of stuff. I just didn't really believe that he was for me. Um, so anyway, turned my back on that. There were a lot of people who tried to help me that I just didn't realize growing up in religious uh, aspects and otherwise. Um, I was just too selfish even at that age before taking a drink. So once I started drinking um, alcoholically at the age of 20 years old, I, um, it really it was a solution for me. You know, I immediately started blacking out. I liked that. Thank you very much. I didn't ever try to drink like a lady. Uh, I did, was not interested in that I wanted to black out so you know I've learned I was in East Tennessee at this time and I learned that drinking moonshine was gonna get me there the quickest so that's what I did and I had access to that um, if you keep it down the first time that's ideal if you can't just try it again and um, you know moonshine cherries you could just toss back about ten of those and be good for a couple days um, but, you know, the, the primary purpose of Alcoholics Anonymous is very important to me, too, because I did not do drugs. You know, I, when I arrived at Alcoholics Anonymous, I had people telling me, like, oh, you're a real alcoholic. Like, you're one of those bad cases. Uh, and then other things, like I spilled more than you drank and blah, 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 right? Um, which I can look back now and just be like, well, I drank better than they did. You know, I just I learned that over the years from you all in AA. But... Um, you know, I, I wanted to black out. I wanted to be out of my head, out of my heart. I didn't want to think about anything that was going on, what I was doing, or what I was not doing. And that's how I drank. So um, I really wasn't interested in helping anyone except myself get blackout drunk. And that's how I lived my life. I didn't show up for family. I didn't show up for friends. I would do just enough to feel like... Um, to feel like you should not hate me, basically. Like, you should respect some part of me. Um, That led me from moving to East Tennessee to North Carolina, where my sister had moved, mooched off of her and her husband for a while. We were drinking buddies, my sister and I, and uh, there was just nothing better, you know? I moved to, I had a job. I wasn't paying rent, but, like, I had a job when I moved in with her, and... um, You know, I thought that moving to North Carolina was going to solve the problem within me, which I thought was my ex-boyfriend at that time, who I was still getting blackout drunk and calling 500 times um, and then blocking his number. But anyway, so, you know, we get here how we get here. Uh, You know, I thought that moving was going to solve some kind of problem, and really my drinking just escalated even more than it had. Before I moved, I was drinking alone in my garage, chain-smoking cigarettes, and when I moved to North Carolina, I was drinking alone, maybe with my sister, um, on my porch, crying, chain-smoking cigarettes, calling my ex-boyfriend, you know? So it just it got worse somehow and I did not know alcohol was the problem I convinced my dad to move to North Carolina I hadn't lived in the same area as him my entire life almost and I convinced him to move to North Carolina did not go see him I was too busy like working and drinking and eventually I did because also what I would do is I would want to feel better I would want to feel better and so I called my dad, I said, you know, I'm gonna help you with something you've been asking me to help you with. And um, so I went to his house, I don't know, he lived a few miles from me. And um, when I, I, I can tell you, here's how I drink. Um, if I had a day off work, I would start drinking when I would get up. I thought that I was shaking because I hadn't, ca- hadn't had caffeine yet. Um, I was detoxing, I guess. Uh, but it was, I was like, oh, I really need to have some coffee. Um, But I would start drinking because it was my day off of work and I worked really hard. Uh, I would drink for a while, do a few chores, if you will, pass out, wake up, drink some more. Like, that was just what I did. So I was feeling bad about myself. I called my dad, went and helped him. I know, I can tell you I was drinking before I went to his house. I was drinking while I was there. No one was really surprised about that. That's just how I lived my life. And um, I got in a wreck on my way, I was almost home, and I hit two people who were walking in their neighborhood. So that led to me, you know, ending up, I had never been in trouble before. It led to me in this man's office, you know, I went to jail uh, for like 24, not even 24 hours. My family bailed me out and then I didn't know what to do, called some attorneys, one guy, Okay, so this is part of carrying the message. This one guy, his name was Lou. He was ancient to me. I don't know. He had gray hair and glasses, so, you know. Um, I went and did an alcohol assessment with him. And for probably one of the first times in my life, I was completely honest about anything, but I was honest about my drinking. And, you know, it said on that. Hey, there's all, like, this information on there. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And then I get to the page where I ask about my drinking and I had to like flip on the back, but I was honest about exactly how I was drinking and what that looked like. And I just remember he was so sweet looking, you know, he was an older gentleman, and I remember he just flipped immediately to that page and he like had his glasses down here, you know, and he looked and he's looking at me and he looked. And he just looked at me and he said, you're going to treatment. And I did not know what that meant at all. I just said, well, okay. It sounds better than rehab. What I knew was rehab from, like, Lindsay Lohan and people like that, you know. I was like, well, this is treatment. It sounds better. And he, you know, took me into his office, and, you know, he was telling me about Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, the treatment center where I went was not Alcoholics Anonymous. But he knew women there who had gotten sober through Alcoholics Anonymous, and he thought it was probably a good idea of, Um, because I was going to have to go to court and prison and things like that. He thought I'd probably look pretty good if I went for 30 days, even though it was a 28-day program. So that's what I did. Um, Now, did I hear much of what he was saying? No, I did not, because I had other things that I was really worried about. But I knew that he had this genuine... He told me I was going to meet people that would help me. He told me I was going to meet women that were going to help me no matter what. Now, I talked to him recently, a couple years ago, and he, this is a common theme, by the way, he told me that he was telling me about AA and all these women he knew, and here's this one that's going to be at the treatment center, and da-da-da. I don't remember any of that. I was just like, okay, whatever you say, I guess. Um, But he did plant that seed within me. You know, I didn't know necessarily it was AA, so someone had done some CPCPI work, with that man, because like, he was not an alcoholic, I ended up doing an intensive outpatient program with him and other people. It was not an AA meeting. I cannot stress that enough, but we were all AA members. Uh, it's a little dicey still when I think about it, but it was an, intense, an intensive outpatient program. And I mean, if he said anything, it was, you know, what is your home group? You don't have one? We'll go with him. Go with her. Uh, he really drove home that the way we were going to be able to stay sober was through aA, so I had that experience going, and I was and probably still am by some people 's standards a group project and so there were many people that helped me along the way. you know when I got out of that treatment center, uh, I went to my first meeting, and this woman picked me up, who was my sponsor today today her name is lady and Her name is Lori, actually. Anyway, um, she picked me up, and and she let me know what AA is and what it is not. Now, in that moment, she was like, she just still kind of thinks I'm a con. She'll tell me that. She'll be like, don't try to con me. Uh, I don't take offense to it anymore, but I did for a while. And she said, hey, listen, AA, this is her carrying the, the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to me before I was incarcerated was this. You're not showing up to this AA meeting to get an attorney, to get uh, legal advice, to crowdsource money for said legal advice. You know, you're here to get the solution that we we have to offer to your alcoholism. So if you're interested in that, I'm going to introduce you to a lot of women who will be willing to help you. If you're not, you just sit in the back. I don't care, you know? And, um, you know, I'm really glad that she carried the message to me in that way because she did become my sponsor at some point. She kind of pawned me off on one of her sponsees first for a while. Uh, But she has always been there to help me regardless of if she was my sponsor in name or not. You know, she carried the true message of, you know, you're going to find a power greater than yourself, and, and you can stay sober no matter what ends up happening. Now, she was one of the people that didn't think I should just go right to prison, but um, similar to what Dwight said earlier, I was just like, take me, please. I just want to start my consequences, you know. Um, so I did end up going to prison, and leading up into that, you know, there were so many, I had so much guilt and shame about. What I had done, um, you know, I would listen in AA meetings to you all talk about, you know, you flunked out of college, or like your parents were mad, or your wife kicked you out for a while. And listen, there were people talking about like really bad consequences. I just didn't hear it because I was so um, self-centered Now I didn't hear my story. Uh, But I just thought that when you all found out what I had done and who I really was at that time you were going to turn your back on me. So I had a lot of guilt and shame. I did not want to tell anyone that I knew I was going to prison. I really didn't want to tell them I didn't have money for an attorney because all of you all looked so well put together. Um, You know, I But she encouraged me. That woman encouraged me. She said, I think you need to get honest with some of the women around here and you'll be surprised at how they're able to carry the message no matter where you are. And anyway, so eventually I did that, and I very dramatically sat everyone down at a coffee shop, and I'm like, I need to tell you something, and, you know, um, one of the girls who, you know, alcoholism is not about consequences, but when I was new, I just, I really thought it was, and I knew that she had, you know, just... Whatever, her parents were mad and she flunked out of college and lost her soccer scholarship or whatever. And she's from, she's from Cary, you know, and she's like, Susie, you know, just, I mean, what is it? Are you going to jail? Are you going to prison? Like, that happens a lot here. Like, you're going to be fine. And I was, I was like, you don't know, you know, I was just so irritated, A, that she told everyone before I could that I'd so dramatically sat down, but also that she thought that it was just no big deal. Um, Now, I know it wasn't necessarily on purpose, but your first three speakers here all spent some time behind bars, and, you know, I just, I did not know anything, I thought I knew a lot about AA and about all of you all, but I didn't know, and once I got honest with those women, they were able to say, oh yeah, I know all kinds of people that take meetings, into the jails, into the prisons. I can introduce you to them before you go. Um, We signed you up to greet at Midwinter Conference so you can meet them then, And which I didn't want to do. I did not want to do that. Um, I did do it. And they did introduce me to those ladies. You know, like, I didn't remember them once I was incarcerated, but I know that they had a... A warm spirit about them. I knew that these women had relationships with God of their understanding, and I knew that if, if I chose to go to a meeting while I was incarcerated, um, whatever person was there was going to be willing to help me. I was just—it blew my mind, you know—that there were people that took meetings into the facilities. So when I got to prison, I had—I had read up, yeah, in my book. And I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to work all the steps. I'm like, this would be easy while I'm incarcerated. I'm going to do a few of them, read a little bit of the book, call it a day. (laughs) And that was um, not my experience at all. You know? Um, I attended AA meetings while I was incarcerated. I worked all 12 steps. Uh, Not because I wanted to, because the women who were helping me said, if you're not willing to work all 12 steps and help other women, then we're going to find someone else to help. Um, You're certainly welcome to be at this meeting, but, you know, um, you have experience that some of these women don't. And once again, I kind of hid the fact that I had been in some AA meetings prior and that I'd gotten sober prior to being incarcerated. It was only three months. You know, I mean it wasn't that long. And when some of the ladies uh from principals took a meeting into the facility where I was and when they kind of found out a little bit like, Oh, she had a home group, it's down the street from ours, we know people there. You know, they started asking me to read and asking me to share and asking me to do things and I was just like, Oh God, this is bad like now they know and I'm gonna have to actually like do something in this meeting. Um and I was encouraged through the mail. So when I say that I was a group project, there were uh, many women from my home group who wrote to me while I was incarcerated. And uh, you know it was mentioned earlier, the correspondence, that that's how some of the first groups got started, and you know that's definitely at least half of how I got and stayed sober my first year. There were so many you know I remember the girl at, you know, at the coffee shop who was like, "You're going to be fine." She would write to me on this really beautiful, nice paper, and I was just like, God, why does she send that into this maximum security crap hole, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And, um, you know, she was just like, I want you to have something nice, like, and I actually want you to read it. (laughs) Like, maybe if it looks nice, you'll read and understand what I'm trying to say to you. And she was not even my sponsor. You know, several women wrote to me, carrying the message of what they were doing, you know, even if it was just, hey, I'm trying to help this girl, and she decided she could drink vodka, something about potatoes, blah, 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 you know, um, even those things, like, it really helped me um, for those women to include me in that way. I felt like I was a part of AA, you know, even though I was on the inside, still part of my home group. I refused to call the meeting inside the facility, my home group, like, ew, that meeting sucked. Um, So those women encouraged me to start sharing and helping, and I started sponsoring women really early on. Uh, I didn't think I had anything to give. I'm like, I've only been sober for a few months, I haven't worked all the steps. I heard people in the meetings before I came here talk about how you have to work all twelve steps before you can help someone else. You know, like I was listening, I heard that, and um, I don't know that it was everyone I talked to, but several people were just like, "Susie, if you're on step three or four, take someone else to that step, okay? And then just work them together. Like, what are your options? You know, and I would actually read through in preparation for this. I actually read through my first sponsor kept every letter I sent her, and um, I kept all my mail while I was incarcerated. So anyway, I was trying to read through a few of those and it's bad. I'm glad that y'all didn't see me like that because it was, I was a mess. I mean, I was just like absolutely crazy. And if you've had a sponsee that is just like really driving you crazy, that was me probably times 10. I mean, and I could write it all out. Um, but anyway, so I would just like be complaining about so many things and, and Women were redirecting me, like, hey, you know, when I first got sober, you know, my sponsor shared this with me. And I did find it a little odd that people kept telling me about their experience instead of answering my questions about what was going on with me. Um, But as they continued to tell me to read the stories in the back and relate to them, like, I did finally get that they were just trying to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to me, and they were trying to encourage me to have a personal relationship with a higher power, um, which, you know, prison religion, so I was very religious at that time. And um, I did that, but these women, you know, took time out of their day, and they were handwritten letters. Now, they don't, you can't send in handwritten letters to the facility that I take meetings back into anymore, but it meant a lot to me that they took the time to handwrite those letters. Um, I did sponsor, uh, I tried to get everyone in the 1,500 woman camp that I was incarcerated in. If you all don't know this, not everyone in prison is an alcoholic or a drug addict or any kind of addict. Like, there are people who go to prison who commit crimes that don't have problems with any of that. I mean, it was news to me, but uh, that is true. So I still try to get all those people sober. and. You know, as much as the message had been carried to me and was continuing to be, I started to really realize that just reading the book with someone. You know, I mean, I I read those first ten to twelve Roman, Roman numerals, whatever, so many times. Like, I started to realize that that that's what those people were doing. <laughs> you know, members of my home group also came to visit me in this closed security prison, and. You know, I realized that that's why they kept, I'm like, God, they always just talk about themselves, you know? And I started to realize that it was because they were trying to get me to relate um, and understand that, you know, just because she lost her soccer scholarship and that was the worst thing that ever happened to her, you know, our solution to alcoholism was the same. Um, I did finally get it, you know? Um, But anyway, so I started taking other women, reading through the book, because that's what had, had been done for me. And, you know, I, I was pretty rigid about my AA program at that time, so I was really telling people what to do. And some of them stuck around for a while. Most of them were like, hmm, I don't think so. Or they'd be like, I actually never drank ever. And I'm like, I think you probably have. Like, everyone has, haven't they? Um, but, you know, I, I just, I really, it kind of started to come full circle for me. So carrying the message, I think, oh, we can help others. You know, I had no knowledge of anyone that was an alcoholic in my family, uh, besides like really close family members that I quickly diagnosed when I was new, but um, they're not sober now, so you figure it out, whatever. Maybe they don't need to be. But I did um, learn that my uncle, who, you know, I don't know, he's kind of a weird guy, when I got sober, I learned it was because sometimes he was sober, sometimes he was on meth, and sometimes he was, like, drinking, you know? Like, he might have a beer, and everyone would be like, ooh, Ken has a beer, or whatever. And he'd be acting kind of weird. So, when, after I got sober and I was incarcerated, you know, my dad wouldn't come and visit me, and I couldn't just tell the prison, you know, like, well, I want the AA members to come separate from my dad, and even if I had wanted that, I know for sure people would have been like, we're not doing that. So they would come in with my dad. And my dad got to know these women and members of my home group probably better than I knew them at that time, honestly. And they really carried the message to him. You know, my, my dad's understanding was that, you know, when he was 15, his older brother had a problem with alcohol. And he had to go to Allotine. And it was dumb. And, like, I didn't know any of that. Um, and my dad started attending Al-Anon meetings, which I just, you know, it was crazy to me. I was like, why? No, maybe he's going to like not write to me or do something. I, I don't want him to do that. Um, but they carried that message to him and he got to see these women make a commitment. You know, at that time, several of my family members had heard an attorney tell me like, oh, you can keep going to those AA meetings, but like, you're young. Like, I don't think you're an alcoholic. And so several of my family members were like, well, that guy with, like, all these pieces of paper on the wall said you're not an alcoholic. So I think it was difficult at that time. But my dad got to see these women make a commitment, be there every time that they said they were going to be there. And, um, you know, he got to learn more about AA. You now I don't suggest that you go to prison and have to be handcuffed and, you know, learn to make amends through uh, a A member showing up with your family member, and then when you're just like, oh, I'm so sorry, and they're like, you know, Mr. Spear, just turn your head for a second. Now, that's not what we do, Susie. You know, I don't recommend any of that scenario. But they did that, you know, and they would talk to my dad before and after this hour-long meeting, like, you know, well, the way that she was just apologizing and saying, sorry, I'm such a bad daughter. That's not really what we do, but we're going to try again next time. (laughs) Here's how it's supposed to go, actually. Um, And they would meet up with my sister at that time at a coffee shop and just talk with her about... She was watching Orange is the New Black at that time, so she was, like, really freaked out, and they were able to, like, meet with her, and they would send me photos of all of them together at coffee. Um, But they were able to explain to her, like, hey, you know... She could get shanked, but probably she's going to stay sober and continue to try to help other alcoholics, uh, and it's going to be okay no matter what. Uh, So my family really got to see the message being carried, and it wasn't through anything I said or did. It was through members of Alcoholics Anonymous who made that commitment to do whatever service it may have been. Um, Some of them were involved in corrections. Most of them weren't. They were just like, okay, okay. We'll go to this prison and do what we're supposed to do. And I'm so thankful for that because, I don't know, had I not been in that situation, I don't know that I would have been volunteering to do that for someone who was sober for two months. You know, I knew for two months before they went. So, anyway, um, I got out of prison and I had had sponsored, you know, a lot of women. Tried to. A lot of non-alcoholics, but... Um, there were a few that were alcoholics, and, you know, when I got out, I was told that it was very important um, that I do uh, my parole and post-release and probation uh, the way I was supposed to, which meant that I was not allowed to write into the prison, I wasn't supposed to take calls, um, and, you know, I I stuck to that. Now. I did try to talk to my sponsor at that time. I said, okay, but spiritual principles. Now, I've been helping this woman, you know, for like eight months now, and it's really important that I'm the one that sponsor her because I know all her deep, dark secrets, and like I'm really important in this whole deal. Uh, And she said, okay, well, if you want to violate your probation, parole, and post-release, then that's on you, Um, but that doesn't really sound like you're practicing principles. So, you know, I also have learned how to kind of hand things over in a way where I think that I'm the most important. I really did. I thought that I got this woman sober. I just knew I was keeping her sober, and I just wanted to let her know how amazing my life was post, you know, getting out of prison. And, um, you know, women were able to help me kind of turn that over and make sure that I was following the prison's policies because... You know, I mean, I was just like, well, however it needs to be done, God will forgive me. I'll throw some step work at it later. Um, But it was vitally important that I learned that, I think, very early on in my sobriety, that I can choose to make the wrong decision and I can impact a lot of people who won't have the message carried to them because of something careless I'm doing. You know, I'm an AA member you know, who supposedly has worked the steps, has spiritual experience, and then I'm just breaking the rules because I think I'm important, and I'm going to, um, maybe AA won't be allowed to have a meeting go in there, into that facility, so I'm not saying I'm that powerful, but it was something that I needed to hear, you know, that AA was bigger than just me sponsoring that one woman, so one of those ladies, you know, started sponsoring this woman, and She's been sober ever since. And I'm just like, you know, I've only had a... I've only had sponsees for like three, four, maybe five years. That could have been like 11 years now. Um, so, you know, I'm like, why well, teeter her up to really be able to stay sober this whole time. That's a joke. Um, you know, I also... When I got out, there were so many things. I didn't have a driver's license for five years, four and a half years. And I really... You know, I wanted to go to certain meetings, but not other meetings, and I liked certain women and not other ones. And, you know, I was just encouraged, like, if you want to go to a meeting, reach out and uh, go to whatever meeting you're going to. You don't dictate the conversation. You lost your right to have a driver's license because you were drinking, and maybe you should just tag along and not have everything be about you. And that was fine i went to a lot of meetings that i didn't like i mean i was a regular member at a lot of meetings i was there every week at meetings and i was like god this meeting just sucks doesn't it?" Um, but on those car rides back and forth and i would be like god i really like this girl who's driving me like why does she keep going to this meeting it's so terrible and um but you know these women who were driving me to these meetings they were able to carry the message to me in a way you know that i at that point Didn't understand, you know, um, it wasn't about, you know, people didn't say I'm doing service right now uh, Taking you to the meeting and that's the 12th step. Are you doing it? It wasn't anything like that It was just having these conversations about real life about things that were going on um, people that were sober longer than me shorter time than me and the message was able to be carried to me that way um, from AA members That, you know, I never would have given the chance to help me. Because that's just how egotistical I still was. You know, there were people that I was just like, okay, I guess this girl will take me to the meeting. It'll be fine. And, I mean, she would say something that just blew my mind and just changed my life. And, of course, I don't remember what any of that was now because I've probably heard it 5,000 times. You know, it's probably something that people say all the time in AA. Um... But, you know, helping others in that way, her helping me. And then the opposite of that, of, you know, being able to show, you know, there was a girl that took me to meetings um, and she had kids. Several of them had kids. And, you know, it was just like these kids were able to see that there was someone showing up, being nice, being friendly. We'd go out to eat. Now, maybe there were some, like, personal private conversations happening um, without the kids around. But, um, you know... I think it's interesting to have children around and temper what I'm saying because I tend to have a foul mouth at times, um, and so that maybe that those people, those kids, can grow up and know that they have somewhere safe to go um, should they have a drinking problem, regardless of whether their parents get sober or not. Um, you know, I was also thinking about hearing the message. I had a really big resentment against my mother, I mean, who doesn't when they get here, you know, and against my mother, against the church that I grew up in, Um, I mean, I had a lot of resentments, okay, but I was thinking about, you know, when I, when I made amends to my mom, I was, I still didn't have a driver's license, so I was under five years sober, but I was probably three or four years sober at that time, Um, and I was real worried about it, and at that time, I had talked to my sponsor, and I'm like, how am I going to tell her I've been in prison? how am I going to tell her, you know, I'm an AA, I'm sober. It was just still all about me. And, um, I knew when it was time and I called and set up the meeting. So an AA member drove me to East Tennessee six and a half hours or however long it was. And, you know, I sat across the table from her and I made amends and, um, it was really powerful. Now she wasn't sober and I didn't expect her to be, um, But later on, you know, I was able to start forming this relationship with my mother, who I had blamed everything for. I was able to see her as a child of God, and I was able to see her just as someone who was trying to do her best. Um, Now, what she heard, I learned later on, several years later, is that I was going to therapy, and I didn't drink anymore. And... You know, I was able to have conversations with her when she's like, well, tell me about that therapy that you've done. And without going into detail, like I did not need to tell her, well, I have a relationship with God today, Mom, and maybe you should try it. You know, I didn't have to say anything like that. I could say, well, I am a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and if you're interested, I can find a local group near you. I can find someone Um, But it's a spiritual program And you know, I've learned how to live without alcohol And that's definitely not what she wanted to hear But I was able just In layman's terms, right? I was able to not go too deep in it About what a great daughter and person I am now And I know that she heard something um, That time Because later on I don't know, a couple years ago Spoiler, my mom's not sober, okay? But, you know, a few more years go by And I'm talking to her I talk to her every week and I'm talking to her on the phone, and she's just like, well, you know, I went down there to the community center. She's, we're right next, okay? She's like, I went down there to the community center, and I went to that AA. And I was like, that's great, Mom. Amazing. amazing. Um, and she's like, well, I'll tell you what, those 12 steps. And, like, she started saying things to me that I know I had never said to her. And she, like, mentioned a sponsor, and, like one of her prayers, like, she's like, well, the third step prayer. And I was like, oh my gosh, you may have actually been to an AA meeting. This is crazy. Um, now she did not continue doing that. Listen, I don't know. She could have been mandated there. I try to like, I call her once a week and I'm a daughter today, but I do not get in the mix of all the redneck chaos, drinking and hustling and whatever. Um, I don't get into that any anymore, and I don't have to. I can be a daughter without doing that. But I know that she heard something. And so for a period of time, she would, like, bring up AA here and there. And she would just say, well, how long do you have? You know, and I would tell her, she'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Um, but I never had to make it seem like I wasn't going to show up for her unless she got sober. And I know that that was not of me either. Um, you know, I was also able to... Well, get rid of a whole trash bag full of hash when I was there recently, you know, without being judgmental and saying, well, I mean, what the what the heck? I thought you were going to AA. Um, I, I handed it off to my brother, by the way, to get rid of, but um, fish mountain things. So, you know, I also... So, so helping others doesn't necessarily mean to me today. It does not necessarily mean helping someone who is in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of course it means that. But there are so many other ways that I can be helpful just by showing up and letting people know that I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, that does not mean, like, in a way of, like, well, I'm sober and you're not. I, when I made amends to first, second, third time through, early on, Um, I had a big resentment against this church that I had been to when I was growing up because I felt like they knew what was going on in my house and like they should have done something about it. And I was really encouraged to reach out to that pastor because I knew how to get a hold of him. It's a town of like 350 people, you know, like I can get a hold of this guy. And I was encouraged to do that. Now, I took my sweet time doing it and I whined and complained and moaned and groaned. But eventually... It just got too much to bear, and so I reached out to him and said, you know, can we have a conversation, and we did. And, you know, he let me know that a member of his family was sober for a period of time in AA. It didn't sound like they were still sober, but he had some ideas of the principles and tenants in AA and what we do here. And he knew that there were things going on in my house at that time, and maybe tried to suggest that there are some things that you could do. But, you know, that church um, would drop food off, and when my family, like, didn't really want that help, he was able to, you know, like, pick us up for church and just do different things um, to be helpful to our family. And I started telling him that I was sober, you know, and, and he told me the things that he preached when I was growing up and, like, how his mind has changed and, like, what he does today, kind of in the way we talk about, like, what we were like, what happened, and what we're like today. And, you know, I was able to share with that man who I resented so much, him and that church thinking they did not try to help me about where my life was today. And he was, he actually had some people that moved. It was to Durham, but some people from his church that he knew. And he was like, Hey, Oh my God, I didn't even know they were sober. You know? So I was able to hook those people up with a meeting in Durham, you know, with people that I knew there and Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was only because I finally became willing to explore, like, what an immense process with the church may look like. Um, And that definitely changed my relationship uh, with God and just in AA in general. Um, You know, also, carrying the message, uh, we can help others. I keep saying that so I don't get off track, okay? So, I was asked several years ago to speak at a non-AA meeting, and... It was through, a, it was through a, uh, a group that helps people when they're released from prison. Okay, so they knew that I had been in prison and this and that, and that my life was different, but it was not for AA. So I stressed out about that, and I asked my sponsor, and listen, she gave me the pamphlet, like, how to speak at a non-AA meeting. I'm like, this is not helpful. What I'm doing is different, you know? um, People talked me through it. They helped me. Uh, You know, I was just very stern. Like, I just didn't want to do it, quite honestly. And, but I showed up and I was so worried about it. And once again, this was a non AA function. However, you know, I've been taking an AA meeting into NCCIW, the women's prison, for several years. And for about, I guess, four. Um, consistently now again and three and um, the guy who had asked me to do it was also an AA member that should have tipped me off first but this was non AA and he when he went to introduce me you know I finally I like went through it with my sponsor and all this stuff and when I got up there he basically told everyone well I know her through Alcoholics Anonymous and she has been sober for this length of time and da 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 Um, and she owns her own business, so that's what she's going to talk about. And, um, I just, like, freaked out. I was so flushed. I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? A lot of the women there, I had taken meetings into the prison, so, like, they knew, but it was unrelated. The point is that I was able to kind of clean that up a little bit and say, I was able to carry the message in a way that I was like, you know what, everything he just said is true, but that's not why I'm here today. And if you have a problem with your drinking, please see me after, and I'd be happy to talk about it. Um, But it didn't have to be, like, this – that was the worst thing that I thought could happen because I already told my sponsor, like, what if I say I'm an alcoholic? Like, what if I go that route? And I forget. She's like, oh, it'll be fine even if that happens. So that was my worst-case scenario, and it happened. Um, And everything was fine after that. It was through a church, and one of the women from the church came up to me after that, and she was like, hey – You know, I have a niece that is really having trouble um, not doing drugs. And I said, well, she's not an alcoholic. There's somewhere else she can go. Um, And I was able to kind of help that woman get where she needed to go. So, you know, the whole anonymity piece, I had a lot of trouble for many years. I wanted to hide out in AA. And I wanted to be like, all right, this is who I am in AA. And when I go out in the real free world... People will just know that I don't drink. And I did that for a long time. You know, I work in a client-based business. And there was only one man. He's here tonight. He'll tell you about it, I'm sure, if you ask him. But he wanted me to cut hair. He wanted me to cut his hair. And I said, do not tell anyone that I did it.
1: Because I was like,
0: spirituality and money don't mix. And all that. And, um, you know, I don't want to pick my clients from AA or whatever. And I said, don't tell anyone. You know, um... And I was able to ease up when I was willing to and understand, you know, that carrying the message to others sometimes looks like me telling people, Swansies, whomever, like, hey, I don't do that um, at the meeting, you know, way after meeting after the meeting after the meeting or way before. But like when I'm here, at this, my purpose is to help carry the message to the still sick and suffering alcoholic. And sometimes I'm better at that than others. Uh, But I'm not here to make sure that my books are full for the rest of the week. And, um, you know, that's been helpful for me. That's been very helpful for me to remember, like, I got sober so that I can help others. You know, I don't get to just keep this and go along my life um, and be who I am and continue to grow spiritually if I don't give this away. I also, uh, so for years, anonymity, once I eased up on that a bit, then I was like, okay, well I have my clients that like are NAA and they kind of know and will kind of wink at each other or something, and then I have all my other clients at work, you know, and they're just all people that could never be an alcoholic, like they're just out living their best life, they don't have drug problems, they don't have alcohol problems, they don't have any problems, they're great. And, um, you know, over the years, I would, you know, I've had clients that will bring me wine, let's say, for Christmas. And um, I remember kind of the first year when I went out on my own and clients were bringing me wine. And I was like, oh, you know, thank you, but I don't drink. And they're like, ah, okay. And I didn't have to freak out about it. You know, I just gave it to my receptionist. And I'm like, Merry Christmas. You know, if anyone else brings some alcohol, you got it. And she was just like, oh, you don't drink. And I'm like, ooh, no, 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 no. I just, I just don't really like to. And that was many years ago. You know, like I, I was just, it's just not my thing. And um, I was just always like really worried that, you know, people in my building or whatever were going to know. And you know, a few years ago, well I guess it was maybe twenty nineteen, you know, I was in a workshop with some people or a weekly step study or something and the topic of anonymity came up and someone, you know, was like who had a lot of sobriety it was just like, you know, we're not anonymous among each other and people in our community need to know um that you're a sober alcoholic. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, maybe I know more about anonymity than this old-timer does, you know? And so I was able to ask some questions and, and learn, you know, press radio and films. You know, I'm not someone who goes out like, hey, I'm a felon. I've been to prison and all this stuff. But I will. You know, I've had a client recently who he and his husband or whatever, you know, I'd cut both their hair and one will come in. So you get the story. I love that. I get the story from both of them about what's going on. And one of them, you know, was having seizures and then he was sweaty and then he was, you know, there are all these signs and I'm like, this is interesting. And so one day, you know, his partner was just like, yeah, they told him he needs to stop drinking. Like they told him, and you don't drink. How'd you do that? And, you know, I was just able to say, well, you know, I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I'm a recovered alcoholic. And if he wants to talk about that, I'd be happy to talk to him about it. And he was like, oh, really? Like, this whole time? Like, you have come here for, like, ever, this whole time? And I was like, that first year, no. But, uh, you know, uh, after that, yes. Um, and he did ask me, he's like, where'd you go for that year in between? And I was like, oh, talk about later. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a jumping to tell him I've been to prison. but, um, And you know, his partner, his husband, has reached out to me a couple of times, and he's not ready to get sober. And you know, thank God that I also know today through people carrying the message to me. You know, when I wasn't ready to make amends with my mom, no one forced me to. You know, I know that I can't force someone to get sober, or make amends, or do anything that may be good for them. Um, but... You know, now they know, and if anyone else they may know needs help getting sober, then I can be there to try to help them or lead them to where they need to go. Um, And it's, it's interesting, too, just to be an example. He's like, oh, I never would have thought that, you know. And people say that to me about, like, having been to prison and whatever. But it's interesting just to have someone that I have known for so long, you know, 10-plus years, be like, I never would have thought that about you. You know, like, that's wild. Um, What do you do for fun? Uh, You know, or no wonder you have so much energy in the morning. You know, you're not hungover. Uh, So that's been, like, a really interesting um, revelation, I think, about anonymity and being able to help others and being able to carry the message to people who, You know, it may not be the person I'm speaking to that needs help. It could be their spouse. It could be their child. It could just be someone that they meet at church or on the street or at work or whatever. Um, And the fact that, you know, I finally got to that place in my sobriety where I was, where I'm comfortable telling people, like, I'm a recovered alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous um, has been pretty big for me. So, you know, I have been helped so much. I continue to be helped tenfold by by people um, that I sponsor or otherwise in Alcoholics Anonymous and there's a woman recently who she was incarcerated and she got out recently and um, you know I go in once a week every Monday morning and you know I get there and the only woman who was able to make it into the meeting before count uh, is not an alcoholic now listen I have my suspicions okay but she says she's not an alcoholic and She's like, yeah, but, you know, this other girl recently got out, told me that you would be here and that you would know what to do. And so I'm also able to say, you know, have you ever figure out, you know, okay, is she just like not being honest or she have that same fear or, you know, and if she's not, that's fine, too. Um, And she said, no, I have never drank alcoholically. And I said, okay, well. There's another program and I was able to kind of have a little meeting with her about, you know, okay, well, there's a family group meeting and it's called Al-Anon and here's where you can read in the book and where you can try to relate and I'll try to hand you off to someone that can help you because I don't have to think that just because I've had experience um, trying things like that, that I have any right to try to get her sober in Al-Anon or whatever. Now, she did end up telling me that she was the drug dealer at the prison, so I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe she's in the right place and uh, we'll find that out later, but, you know, I have also learned that I don't have to try to get anyone sober. You know, the way the message was carried to me is how I try today, I try very hard, to carry to other people, and, um, you know, I try to just keep one foot in front of the other and do the next right thing, keep it simple. You know, I tried for years to really make this something that had to be done a certain way, and I still have my opinions, but I try to, I've really tried to just kind of back down and keep this really simple, like Amanda was describing, um, in our history, uh, and just help people um, who show up here and ask for it. So thank you all for letting me share.